Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. This is year five of a big deal. Yep, a five year look at the Homeland Security Enterprise. When the Department of Homeland Security was stood up, the intent was to bring together disparate, uncoordinated elements to the, that were in, supposed to be securing the homeland to do a better job at achieving that mission. So the Homeland Security and Defense Business Council and Grant Thornton have teamed up on a five-year look at how that effort has matured. We welcome Mark Pearl, President and CEO of the Homeland Security Defense Business Council, back to the program. Good to see you again, my friend. Same. And Good Tim Haynes you. of Grant Thornton is back again, fellow Happy Pennsylvanian. That's right. Welcome. What I enjoyed about the conversation that we had about this last year was the way that you're looking at the Homeland Security enterprise, not just the, the agency itself, not just the companies that contract to DHS, but the whole community, organizations in other agencies that also contribute to Homeland Security and so on. What did you focus on this year, and how did you kind of tie together all of what you've looked at in the previous five years, Mark? Well, let me just address the foundation of of the project as we started it, and then we can tease about what we did, you know, and found out this year. Okay. Um, When we started this, DHS was an adolescent. It was 12 years old. And like any adolescent, um, there needed to be a sense of what does this all mean? What are we, how do we, in essence, get you to understand from almost an adult standpoint, where do we need to be? Mm -hmm. And the agency was not, was all over the place. It still is. Didn't have a headquarters. It was all of the components were all over the place. And in point of fact, we had to then look back on something from the beginning, which was uh, former Secretary Johnson's unity of effort. Now, that was building on what had been done before him, DHS 2.0 and and DHS 1, 1 DHS. But this was an attempt to say from a process standpoint, we needed to come together. What did that mean? And where was industry in that piece? And industry was always the vendor working with the customer. The council was started about uh, three years after the 9-11 with the idea in mind that industry and government could work together, that we just needed to develop better models of engagement. But there was a resistance. The FAR is in the way. uh, A culture of risk aversion is in the way. And you're only a vendor. Why do you have to sell me? And that's all I want to talk to you about. And we wanted to change that paradigm. Mm -hmm. And the project that we did with Grant Thornton, Ron Polito, who was the managing uh, uh, partner in charge of Homeland, we put together this vision of let's look at those processes that could be changed. Uh, And we listened to industry and we listened to government and we did an online survey to, to hundreds of people and we brought them in the small groups, but independently. And what evolved over the course of a couple of years was we learned that we could bring industry and government together in the same room and we could talk about 
the same challenges and problems, whether it be protest, whether it be uh, debriefing, we could talk about those problems without finger pointing. Mm -hmm. And over those four years, when we were looking at best practices and lessons learned and all of those things, we came to an understanding that the process itself of bringing industry and government together in the same room to talk about the things that were painful for them led to some incredible discussions. So you used a metaphor to tee up the discussion of an adolescent. <laughs> and that hits home for me. Uh, we often talk about Haley, Hannah, and Mimi and the trouble they've given me because they're squarely in that period you're talking about. Talk about what you've observed in this five-year period in the evolution of the Homeland Security enterprise. Maybe uh, Let me take that a couple of ways. So looking at the enterprise, we, we started this project not too long after the White House Homeland Security Council became part of the National Security Council. So this White House governing body had uh, not disappeared, but it was no longer a standalone. So you have what is an adolescent enterprise with no real coordinating council at the White House. So as you're looking at the interagency and how things are operating and the governance model, there's a gap. Uh, as we went through the project, and a, a little plug for us, Francis, to go back to your, your question about looking at the, the broader enterprise, we were really intentional about bringing in justice, energy, state, uh, to provide that view that is not just DHS. I think that's one of the things that we've seen maturity-wise, that's still a work in progress. Uh, and I say that from the Homeland Security perspective of what is that enterprise, where does it, where does it start and end, and how do we work with the, the partners. Um, somewhere in our mission look, when we were looking at the interagency, um, the fusion centers, um, and, and other things that started out of Jay Johnson's unity of effort, we found out that there's a, there's a lot of good work going on in there, uh, but I think that we would still call it the pockets of excellence is probably the term that we heard the most from our uh, participants. Yeah, I think just to build on what Tim says, if you don't have a headquarters, which DHS still really doesn't have, mm -hmm. and your, your components are all over the place, and they've come from many of them from other agencies, so they have their own culture unto themselves, and you only see, you know, Francis Rose from you know, component Y and, you know, and Robert Shea from component Z on an email as a CC, or you talk to them on a conference call, you don't build levels of trust. You cannot do that. That's why other agencies have been around from the beginning of time. And this was the first new agency since DOD was created in 1947, because ed education was just simply taken out of HEW. So we had our first new cabinet agency and they were all over the place. And so you needed to build that. So components needed to get to know one another. You don't define an enterprise by just DHS. You can define it by all of the other agencies that Tim was just talking about. And by bringing them in a room, we introduced people that the companies who were doing business with all of these various components and all of the various agencies who knew them, but they had never been in the same room with one another. It was fascinating because then people weren't looking just at what was on their desk that they had to grab at, but they were looking mm -hmm. on the, the desk behind their chair and began to think about what is it that could change? What is it? So we went from collecting data and perspectives to evolving into getting realistic um, recommendations. 
what could change in the process? What What is realistic? Knowing Congress is not going to give us more money or it's not going to come other than through a CR. And there's not going to be any change in the FAR. So how within these boundaries can we make you know, recommendations to make our lives not only easier and less cumbersome, but to really accomplish mission. And then we evolved into less process and more into mission centric. So it was, we needed the five Mm -hmm. years to do that. What it sounds like you've accomplished over this five year period is similar to what I would argue the defense department's been trying since it was uh, formed in In 47. 47. And is still working on today, and that is this collaboration between the defense industrial base and the department itself. So 25 years later, you have Goldwater Nichols, Mm -hmm. which was sent to to bring that together. Mm -hmm. Are we going to have a Goldwater Nichols for Homeland Security? Remember, DOD was created after World War II, so the war wasn't on. DHS was created in the middle of the war, and so it's never had an opportunity to do anything more than react and so what this process at least gave people the opportunity to do in industry, in government, thought leaders coming from both, is to think about how can we be, in essence, uh, aware of, understand the attributes needed, um, not make a, a prediction of what was going to happen, but know that threats and incidents, man-made and you know, natural disasters, were going to happen and what could we do? So that leads us, interestingly enough, to this year's project. Because instead of looking just back, we said in the midst of our 2020 project, 2020 Clarity of Vision. Oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) 20th anniversary of of 9-11 and and being 2020. We ended this in 2020 with that idea. What can we help? If we're not gonna have a Goldwater Nichols, because comprehensive anything is not gonna pass in Washington. Can we, in essence, develop a vision that would help guide both industry and government, the enterprise, as Tim was talking about, to think about what can we, what do we need in the future? What can we do? And that's where this project this year separate to. issue sidebar issue who came up with that 2020 thing i did you did i did you should get a raise because that's pretty clever i'm retiring <laughs> well, i guess that's your swan song so that's a great mic drop then 2020 clever as can be i'm out so can you give well us done. that's well done can you sorry can you give us some insights into what we can expect in 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 this report what do you do you have a sense of what kinds of things you'll forecast? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that I have a chance to talk because I saw the twinkle in Mark's <laughs> eye when <laughs> Goldwater Nichols came up, and I said, "Oh, I looked at my watch and thought, oh, do we have two hours?'" So I'm <laughs> I'm glad that we we moved from that. But it's a ve- it's a very valid point. So we went into this year, and we've gone into every year with a certain hypothesis. This year, we looked at people, process, and technology. What are the capabilities needed over the next decade across the Homeland Security enterprise? And we looked at them in some way as three separate verticals, somewhat siloed. We didn't get through the first small group conversation uh, without realizing that there's no way you can keep those separate. Uh, there are so many interdependencies, so many, so many areas of overlap. Uh, and the really interesting thing is that no matter where we went with any conversation, everything came back to people, right? You can have the best technology. Uh, you can have the, the processes in place. But if you don't have the workforce that can manage those things, you're no further along than you, mm-hmm. than you were before. That's an evergreen conclusion. We could probably 
bring that up in every topic yeah, that we cover. Without any question. Yeah. What's the biggest shortfall that the people that you talk to expressed about where their personnel rosters are? Whether it's the skill sets that those people bring or the availability of people or anything to do with people, what do they need more of or need better of? So let me start, and I want to throw it to, to Tim. First of all, there is an idea that um, we, are the, we are the government. We have some great things to do. We can recruit. Well, if you F- want to be an FBI agent, that's easy. Mm-hmm. But if you want to work in the back office, even the head of the um, of the labs division came and was one of the small group. He says, oh, we can get any people we want. And then when they talked about cyber experts and people who understand the process, he says that's the hardest thing to recruit. At first, many years ago, government would blame the companies. You, Intel, Microsoft, uh, Oracle, you're not able, you're taking all of our best people. When in point of fact, that wasn't the case. When point of fact, what was going on was if I want to work in the Homeland Security and I bring cyber expertise, I may want to go to NSA first. I may want to go to CIA. I might want to go to FBI cyber. It was very hard for DHS to recruit. So recruiting is very difficult. Retaining and training are the other two components that came up all the time. What are you and what are you retaining for? Academics. Are they teaching then they have a homeland security or a cyber are they teaching what was in the twentieth century or are they teaching what we need in twenty twenty in the next decade? And we found time and time again that the academic programs that feed into Grant Thornton or feed into TSA are not necessarily teaching what is needed. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be worked on. So that's one of the teasers that we came up yeah. with. And where's the engagement or dialogue between the government and academia on the curriculum? Mm-hmm. What's that look like today? And what should it look like at some point in the future? It has to be, it has to be agile. Look, taking a government term. It has to be understanding that just because I worked <clears throat> excuse me, at DHS in 2002, 3, 4, 5, 6, doesn't mean that the same incidents that we have to prepare for, we have to be ready for, are going to be the same in the 20, 2022. And therefore, from that standpoint, how do we mix that? So if we don't look at developing like some of the Chicos have done, like Angela Bailey at, at DHS, and talk about a strategic workforce mm-hmm. that is able to, also in light of the fact that a lot of the people around our table had been in government for 20, 25, 30 years. The next generation of the workforce is going to be in government three or four years. And how do you take advantage of that? And maybe three or four years, three or four different times over the courses of their Of their life, they'll be in five different careers instead Mm -hmm. of in one company, five different positions. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with the new people that are coming in and what you need them to know? You can give them all the greatest tank in the world, but if they don't know how to drive that tank because of the, all the technology, what do you got? And that's one of the things that came out of this study. An interesting thing in the, uh, all of the conversations we had around recruitment was that we could have this whole of government conversation. A lot of the issues that we talked about, you could, you could apply to anyone. They could be evergreen, as you might say. Where it gets really interesting and where I thought we had the most substance in the small group discussions is that depending on where you're looking within Homeland Security, there are, are some pretty severe uh, needs for uh, for staff where they're, they're very understaffed currently. 
a lot of that conversation kept coming back to communication though how do we how do we in an uh, in an agency i say this dhs specific take the message back communicate the value communicate what those people will be doing when you're in a very highly politicized mission environment and how do we get into and build the right relationships with the uh, academic institutions to to be able to recruit. So a lot of that all came back to uh, how do we take the message and communicate uh, in a way that shows the value of working for us and and uh, what you can be doing within the mission sets. There's That's a ton more we would like to cover, but we're out of time. But congratulations to you both Thanks. on, on completing you. this. It's been a I mean, I'm sure it took longer than five years. You prepared to do the first one, and now you've completed the five years' worth of work. We'll look forward to your coming back when you've solved the workforce problem. Yeah. That shouldn't take long, right? Two, three years. We'll be, we'll be oh, good. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. But the bottom line, we need to continue. At This project is over, but it, the, the process and the need for government and industry to continue the conversation must continue going forward. Thanks, both of you, for being here. It's great to see you again. You too. Thanks for having us. See you, my friend. Good to be with you. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store. 